Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> and do you remember the name of the show? People to Pieces. There you go. Welcome to another edition of People to Pieces. My name is Lori Jones. And I am Maurice Carver. And we continue the conversation from last week's show. Stay tuned. And you know, uh, when they said the thing about the um, the training, I don't know what the training is, you know, the saying that, you know, sexual harassment is preventable. I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious as to whether or not that is teaching her defensive mechanisms when you are sexually harassed, or if it is more of something that's going to make her feel worse about, you know, is this my fault? And the reason I'm conflicted about it is because I think there are certain things that need to be taught to um, everyone, you know, in terms of preventing negative situations, you know, they have things like date rape, they have things like sexual assault, they have things like, you know, just avoiding crime, you know, just various things that I know people, and I think I mentioned this to you once before that, that Oprah Winfrey one time, she had a, an actual pedophile that came on her show and his, he was like, you know, I've turned over a new leaf type thing where he was trying to warn people about what pedophiles do Mm-hmm. to ingratiate themselves into, you know, the, the, the family where, okay, well, first we find a single mother, you know, who needs help. And then, you know, and then you, you start dating the mother and start helping her with the child and, you know, including the child in on the dates. And then the mother gets a sense of comfort that, you know, now you're, you know, you're, 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 you're part of the family. And then they start, you know, moving towards the child. And so he was trying to explain that this is, this is our MO basically. And if you do have some sort of training that's going to teach people to recognize the stages as you're moving towards as somebody who's who's an aggressor or a perpetrator or whatever is the you know, the steps that they take to moving towards that that's one thing but if you're now going to just first of all I don't even know if they they made him take a course because I think the, the parents were requesting, you know, some something of, of that nature. If if they're going to make her take a course, he he definitely should have been taking a course you know, about right, wrong, treating people, treating people, you know, with respect in terms of not following them into the bathroom, much less whatever else went on. So I think that um, more would need to be known about what that training is, um, sort of like with the the Me Too movement. You know, I think um, I, I maintain that, you know, it's horrendous that a woman has to be be worried about her job if she speaks up when she's being sexually harassed at work. But I also think that if we recognize that there are certain things that are continu- going to continue to happen and you can't put the onus on hoping that, you know, um, aggressors are going to change or because you know, they do it for a variety of reasons, you know, that they're getting a benefit out. If you can't rely on them to change, you have to find a way for you to make sure that you can avoid those situations. So again, I, I'd be curious as to what that that whole program is about. Well, and another thing that I thought was interesting, because after looking at, and it, you know, because of the response of the school, I actually, um, there was some, um, what I call muckrakers, reporters that went and started dig- digging up information on how sexual uh, assault and rape and all these things are handled by this particular uh, school district. 
And then they brought forth a young lady that talked about how, you know, she was assaulted and then she settled out of court with them. Another young lady uh, spoke about that. And recently, a second a student at the school was saying that she was told to remain silent about uh, a reported sexual assault and how she was she was scared. And so one of the things that I, I was talking about last night, Jones, is that I'm listening to uh, people that have, I've shared the article with um, just to get, you know, like a feedback on what they thought about it. And a few people came back with the, the statements that the young lady in the interview talked about. Um, he did it before. But he never was as, as aggressive as he was because when he went into the bathroom this time, he was touching her chest and then put his hands down her pants. Now, the argument, well, or the rationale for some people is why wasn't it reported the first time? And I'm like, well, that's a hard question to answer because we don't know if she was afraid or maybe based off of this response that she got from the school, maybe it was a reputation that this, you know, that you shouldn't report this. Yeah, because they had the, in in that same story, they had a, a young lady in a separate incident that was talking about an ex-boyfriend that was an aggressor, that when she was trying to avoid him, he told her that he wanted to meet her after school and she told him no. And then he said, you know, well, I'm going to bring a gun to school. And so she agreed to meet him and then he wound up dragging her into the woods behind um, wherever the area was and, and raping her. So, I mean, at that point, you know, you don't know what happened. You don't know what caused this person to, it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, we were just talking about with pedophiles. You know, when pedophiles say, don't tell anybody, otherwise I'll kill your mommy and daddy. Or, you know, they say something that puts fear in the heart of the, the person who's being, um, you know, being um, attacked. At that point, you can't sit up there and, and now um, question, well, why didn't you do that? Or why didn't you say that? Or whatever the case is, they, they kind of did that to, um, tried to do that to um, uh, the woman who was testifying against the, the, the latest um, um, Supreme Court justice. Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh. You know, when she was trying to explain her, her situation and, and they were trying to just down, downgrade it. You know, well, how come you don't remember the name of the, you know, the 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 um the name of the address or whatever the case is, you know, for some 40 years later or whatever the case is, you can't sit up there and now use that as your defense because there's so many circumstances that when somebody's under trauma where they do or don't do certain things or they react differently. So I think I, I you know, I think it's it's unfortunate that um you know people you know that establishments who are supposed to be protecting children, especially when they're in their under their care, would turn around and and act as if this is you know this is really not my responsibility or we don't believe you or whatever the case is because you know young kids at that age should not have that lack of support in a, a subject that's this important. Well, I mean, um, I'm sure that the, 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 I I have to give the mom some credit in terms of her coming forward because she went to the news about it because she, she couldn't get any type of resolution going to the school about it. And again, I, I love the, the, the point that you made that doesn't seem to be getting out there that the young man confessed to it and the, the, the police did an investigation and I'm sure that they had, and due to the, especially during the, this atmosphere, uh, I'm sure that they did their due diligence. I would hope they did. They charged them with, uh, um, sexual battery 
And this thing society can do, you know, to help this. And that's, that's, I think that's part of the problem. The acceptance of, um, of abnormal behavior as if it's normal, you know, this thing society can do to make sure that, you know, if someone's caught doing something that, that they're not supposed to do, that there's more um, severe repercussions in terms of like, just like with the Me Too movement, you know, there was this for decades, nothing has been going on. And it's only now that you, it became so large that they would take the time to um, fire someone like Matt Lauer, you know, somebody who was making a whole bunch of money for them, who was a big, you know, name star for them, that kind of thing. It's it, at a certain point, they were like, okay, it's, this is too big of a movement for us to ignore that. But that should have not been ignored years ago. You know, there's been many incidences over the years where sexual harassment has occurred at work. It should be, if we prove that you sexually harassed someone, you know, you immediately lost your job. And at that point, the next person who's going to do it, even though they may do it anyway, they would think twice over the fact that their livelihood may be lost. You know, and so the same thing with sexual aggression and, and you know, all of these things, you know, you're, you're automatically expelled from school. You know, something that would make the person think twice, because if you don't do that, then the, the, the um, establishment is complicit in perpetuating a situation that shouldn't be occurring in the first place. And then, you know, as we, we talked off, off air, I said to you, you know, I wonder why the school was so slow um, or, or so stubborn in their persistence that she she was lying and that uh, she was the one that needed to go through a training. And I said, I mean, do we need to really take a look at the, the politics of this? Is this young man connected to somebody? Does he know? Is, he, is, is there any type of uh, influence that his family has? Are there, is all of these things being done to protect him or is it just being done to protect the, the school system for liability? Everything seems to be pointing to protecting the everyone else, but the person who really needs the protection. Yeah. Cause it doesn't, cause I don't remember them saying anything about her receiving any type of uh, therapy or anything of that nature. I don't know if, if, if the it was specified, I looked to see, I didn't say, I didn't see anything of that nature. Yeah. It's, it's horrendous that, you know, something as, um, something that could be as mentally damaging as an attack, much less a sexual attack, can be taken as lightly as it was in this circumstance with the school. And the, uh, you could have as many settlements out of court or whatever the case is. They just recently had um, a story, I think just a couple of weeks ago on the news about the fact that in the military, a study came out that 95, like 95% of the cases that were... Um, reported of sexual attack in the military were handled by people who weren't qualified to handle them. Mm. And I said, 95, are you kidding me? You know, so you now had somebody reporting some, and you're in the military complex. You you had somebody reporting a sexual attack to somebody who has no experience, who doesn't know what to do, who doesn't know what the next step is supposed to do. They're going through this whole procedure, you know, with somebody who's not qualified. But do you think that's 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 uh, that's a strategy? Or you think that's a mistake? It, it 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 could be by design, but it could also be the 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 um, sign of the times. 
It could be the sign of the fact that people are now allowing, just like you remember years ago when they had, there's some horrendous stories that we had here in the New York City area about, you know, little kids that were, you know, being abused. And then they found out that the social workers um, were, you know, they were already on the radar of the social service department, you know, social workers and child protective services. But for whatever reason, you know, they dropped the ball and then the, the child wound up um, being killed or, or something of that nature. And they, they turned around and the story was not to not as an excuse, but they were overwhelming the um, social workers with too many cases. So people didn't have time to keep everything that was like. So if you do that in a military complex where you have somebody who's not qualified to, to do something like that. It's, it's again, another analogy was, remember when they had the school system, they were like, oh, we don't have enough teachers. So we're gonna make the math teacher teach history. You know, mm -hmm. so the math teacher who's an excellent math teacher now is to go and figure out a curriculum, figure out how to teach history, something that they're not qualified to do. That's bad enough. But, you know, now you're talking about something like sexual assault or something that should be prosecuted to the fullest. You're now somebody who's like, I don't know what the next step is to do, you know, or, you know, I'm not sure how to handle this or, you know, whatever the case is, they don't have the resources to have this case go, go to justice. You know, the, the, the one of the things that I thought about the situation is that um, I said the young man admitted uh, that he did it. And I was wondering to myself, uh, Jones, did he think that the, his behavior was acceptable? Was that learned behavior? Because he, he because I think he thinks that that is a, is appropriate behavior, and I think that he maybe he's seen he's seen that that's been projected somewhere in his life to think that that is acceptable behavior. Yeah, and 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 you're you're right that it's not an excuse, but it, you don't know what what the mindset of that person is. You know, it, it actually reminded me of you know what during the whole Me Too movement they had the the situation with Louis C.K. And um, his situation was not, I guess, you know, it was, wasn't the same as the others where it was just basically that he had invited two um, prospective writers, com comedy writers, female comedy writers up to his, his place. They went up there thinking, you know, we may be getting our big break type thing. And apparently, you know, he, you know, exposed himself. So, you know, at a certain point you have to wonder, well, why would somebody do that? Maybe, you know, it's worked before. You know, or you know, something of that nature where something that's not supposed to be normal has has worked in the past. And so, like you said, this young boy, whatever he's seen or you know, whatever's in his mindset, it, it's wrong either way. But if he thought that this was okay and went ahead and did that, that should be an yet another reason why the school should have been concentrating on him as opposed to her. Because even if you send her to sexual harassment training, what's to stop him from going to doing it to somebody else? Again, I, I found it um, frustrating. And I, I, I was, again, trying to find some logic behind why this uh, outcome has happened. And one person just told me, Maurice, it's not logical. It makes no sense. And you're not going to be able to understand it. Moving from that particular conversation, I'm going to move to uh, a meme that somebody uh, sent me uh, showing uh, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, crying on the stand. And 
you know, um, how people were, were saying that he got a, a EGOT. He got an Emmy. He got an Oscar. He got a Grammy. You know, he got a Tony for his particular performance. And it was cute and all that. But I don't want people to lose the seriousness of, of this particular case where you have two individuals and, and two families that have been, been impacted by violence because they lost their, their loved ones. And how when you listen to this young man and, and based on some of the things that he, he stated, you would think that the protests that were going on was like, a, like akin to like a, a, a slave rebellion. And he was going to put it, that rebellion down. And I just wanted to myself, if people really are looking at the seriousness of this particular case, uh, understanding what the impact it can have uh, for generations. Yeah, I you know, I think it, it, it's actually becoming a bit of a sideshow. I haven't seen the trial. I've seen you know, excerpts, you know, of, right. of, of things that are going on. But it's becoming a bit of a sideshow, like, okay, we're concentrating on the judge and his inappropriate behavior on so many levels, you know, um, just, just little things that are not, like you said, not concentrating on the fact that a young man lost his life, or you know, two young men lost their life in a situation that shouldn't have occurred to begin with. You know, you, there were so many, oh, yes, okay, I agreed. I wasn't supposed to have a rifle. My, my good friend, you know, bought it for me, and, and it's a misdemeanor. You know, or yes, I wasn't supposed to cross state lines. And, you know, all of these things that are coming up are, are kind of like not even talking, not even concentrating on the fact of the seriousness of what, uh, again, what happened could happen again if this has become acceptable. If this type of abnormal behavior, you know, you going, getting a rifle because it quote unquote looks cool and then crossing state lines and going in there and killing people, you know, becomes acceptable what's to stop it from happening again? And no matter what they want to say, people watched that video around the world and said, this kid is walking around with a gun at night when there's, a, uh, when there's all of this turmoil going on and he walks up to, with, to a police car and to policemen and nothing happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, that, they- that's shocking. In, in, in this world of active shooters, that's shocking. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what, you know, we uh, see on the, on the regular. It's like what, what Dow had said on the show when they saw the protesters coming up the steps at the, uh, at, at the, uh, the Capitol. They were like, the guy was like, it's like a joke saying, should we worry? He said, no, it's family. <laughs> No, you don't have to worry his family coming. <laughs> so you, when we look at that, I mean, they looked at that situation. And again, we see that. I mean, I remember one of the one of my friends sent me a video where there was um, three uh, white young men and this black guy. And the white young men was assaulting the black guy. And then the cops all surrounded the black guy. And if it hadn't been for this young lady who happened to be white, who was standing there filming and she said he didn't do anything. He was assaulted, not the other way around. So apparently yeah. they had the narrative was put that they, you know, he tried to do something to them and they, and they believed those other three. And then they started harassing the, the, the young man. 
But it turned out based off the video, and, and again, thank goodness that there was somebody that was uh, conscious enough to videotape this. And she said, you know, y'all are wrong. He didn't do anything. But, but, yeah. see, but see, that, and that's the narrative that we have. There is this expectation of guilt and is an expectation of innocence. And Kyle Rittenhouse, when he walked around at night, he he was perceived to be innocent. And in, 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 uh, the cops didn't think anything about him having a gun in his hand. Yeah, there was a similar situation. Um, I can't remember where it was, but there was um, an incident in front of a bodega or a store where a black guy was trying to help the store owner and um, um, some white guys were fighting with him and the cops came up and they immediately went after the black guy. But there happened to be a woman there that said, no, no, he's the one who's trying to help, you know, that kind of thing. You know, so that, that, that presumed guilt is, is, is a major problem, not just because of incidents like that, that fortunately didn't wind up in the death of somebody, but because, you know, if you run up on somebody and assume that the Good Samaritan is the, the, the bad guy, sometimes, you know, you know in, in gun-happy situations, you could wind up killing the, the Good Samaritan just because of preconceived bias. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's an, a, a case before the, the Supreme Court that I've been looking at, and I'm going to and I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on it, because, you know, uh, guns are a big issue in in the United States, especially during COVID, where people feel like um, things are out of control and they feel more safe having to be able to uh, the ability to carry a concealed weapon. And in, 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 a, in a, some significant number of states, a lot of people are able to carry their weapons openly. But the, 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 the state of New York's gun law is, is being reviewed by this conservative court, this conservative Supreme Court. And speaking to, you know, looking at reading and listening to certain experts, they believe it's going to fall. And so I said to myself, what kind of atmosphere will New York City be where you have individuals walking around with concealed weapons? Um, what kind of atmosphere would that be in any state, not just in New York, but uh, the argument has been, and, and what they argued before the Supreme Court was that the crime rate goes down, you know, um, people feel the rape rate goes down, people feel safer, but I don't know if that's going to be necessarily true. And again, statistically, um, how significant is the information? Because we have to look at it on a long-term basis. Um, as to what the actual outcome is. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's the setting the stage for the shootout at the shootout at the OK Corral, because yeah. you know, there are certain people who don't care about human life, and so so what? You have a gun. It's who's who's drawing the, the quickest, you know. And then there's other situations where you know, you know, we 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 had that situation with the um the the man who got shot in the parking lot because he came out to protect his wife because some other guy, you know, was, you know, um, tried to use that stand your ground thing in the parking lot of a convenience store. Yeah, I remember you know, that. So you, yeah, so you have situations like that where there's too much um, psychological imbalance in this world in order to have situations like that occurring. 
if, if know, we, so think about this for a second, Jones, if we argue about the police who have training and their ability to know when to use deadly force, how do how do we give that to people who are untrained? Exactly. Exactly. People who I mean, road rage, you know, you have people people arguing um, in 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 um, in trains on subways and stuff like that, because, you know, oh, you're talking too loud or you, you have you have situations that are volatile or reach a level of um, um, anger over minor stuff. Can you imagine if these people are armed? Are you going to get yourself a gun if it, if the law of uh, is uh, overturned? Look, I'm I'm hoping that a degree of sanity returns to all the lawmakers, you know, or at least the the the, the ones who are smart enough to realize that the NRA shouldn't be running this country. And and hopefully we never get to that point where people have to make those decisions. I don't know. I sent you a a a, a, a NPR piece. I don't know if you got a chance to look at that or hear it. Um, but it was talking about the NRA after Columbine and how strong the NRA is and and their concern about the impact of the death of all of those young people. And it it was it was interesting because we had people in the Congress reaching out to the NRA to know what their talking points should be and how they should respond to the tragedy. And I said to myself, the congressperson who's supposed to be for the people and by the people, right, is reaching out to an organization to to talk about what should happen. There's there's an economic factor, uh, a huge economic factor to the NRA. And so I think we have to look at the fact that the selfish motives um, of gun selling and you know how lucrative and stuff it is is the motivational factor behind what they do. And if we have a society that doesn't recognize that and starts making laws that correspond with the selfish motivations of any organization, then then we as a community have a problem. And and, and if the lawmakers are allowing this to happen, then the constituents for those people who put them in into power now need to to reorganize and make sure that they don't remain in power because at a certain point logic has to return you know you can't have this many school shootings and this many um you know um uh, incidents of people going into um movie theaters and concerts and 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 shooting up uh, crowds and causing you can't have that happening as much as it's been happening on a regular basis in this country and still be touting oh, we should have more guns. That's going to save the country or that's going to make things safer because they have to bring up a lot more incidents where that has occurred and specifically shown that it's made the community safer and not more dangerous. You know, I I consistently hear people talking about on the news during this COVID experience, how at the beginning it became uh, so difficult just to find toilet paper. But they didn't talk about how difficult it was to, to find a gun because people were stacking and buying bullets and all of this stuff because they thought, OK, this is it. And then we're going to get down to this whole thing called the survival of the fittest. I've listened and spoken to several different individuals across you know, all spectrums of um, opinions and parties and stuff. 
And I, I hear the same thing from everybody. It, it, they don't think things are going to get better. That is the narrative. And so guess what? When everything goes to hell, I'm going to have something to protect myself and my family. Yeah, and I, I can respect that. I can I can respect the people who, especially the people who are trained, you know, officers, you know, former officers. I can respect that the idea behind that. But the problem is we're talking about we're living in a society where um, mental health is at an all time low. You know, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's, you know, suicide. There's a whole bunch of things. There's a lot of people on drugs. And, you know, on most of these commercials, the drug companies are ending with, oh, may cause you to want to have, you know, suicidal thoughts, may cause you to want to have do um, 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 harm to yourself or to others. Yeah, there's all those little blurbs that come in at the end. So if you have a society that now has a problem aside from uh, a mental health problem, aside from the gun issue, and now you're going to put guns in the hands. Look at that situation that just happened recently with the, the woman who killed her lover, the, the police officer that killed her lover or, or killed her lover's was it the lover or the lover's girlfriend? I think she killed the lover's girlfriend. And right, and, and, yeah, yeah, that's you, right. You you have situations where you put the gun in the hand of a mentally imbalanced person, and you know stuff happens. Lori, people want to protect their Second Amendment rights. So if we're prepared to you know look at an existing, it's it's like looking at a time bomb situation and saying, okay. Let's watch until it goes down to, you know, the count goes down to one and then see if we can figure out what we should do. Lori, there's a super conservative majority on the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm, I'm seriously concerned with that. I, I mean, I understand the logic behind, you know, if things are getting worse, that you may need to have protection or, or things of that nature. But you have to you have to carry out, um, you have to um, factor in all of the other things that could make it Mr. a problem. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the, the court, and the text of the Second Amendment enshrines a right not just to keep arms, but to bear them. And the relevant history and tradition...